everyone. My name is Yaz Hagigatz and this is Inside the Hive, a podcast where we do a deep dive into all things robotics and automation. I'm really pleased to introduce you to this week's guest, Oliver Selby, hailing from Fanuc UK. I really wanted to get into the nitty gritty of exactly how Fanuc work and how they help new customers, especially those SMEs who are completely new to automation. Oliver has had years and years of experience and is the one to go to for help with all things automation. It's currently May 2020 and the UK is in lockdown. With everyone working from home and workplaces having to scale back on their staffing, it's really made me think about the way that we all work and new ways that we can future-proof business by incorporating automation. Fanuc UK definitely have products in their range that can give solutions to the situation that we're currently dealing with and how to grow your business in the future. So Oliver is going to give us a good head start into how we can change our thinking and what the next steps for us could be. Hi Oliver and welcome. We're delighted you could join us on Inside the Hive and I'm really looking forward to getting to know about Fanuc's base here in the UK. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your work with Fanuc UK? Yeah, hi, my name is Oliver Selby. I'm currently a technical sales engineer with Fanuc UK, based in Coventry. I've worked with Fanuc for over 20 years and have worked with many facets of the business, uh, both here in the UK and in Europe. I've worked on probably hundreds of projects with customers, small and large, all successful but in varying degrees. Hopefully over the course of this podcast I can provide some detail around our customer engagement process and answer some questions around automation adoption for new users. Amazing. We're looking forward to hearing all your insights, but first, could you tell me a little about Fanuc in general and also about all the different automation products that the company offers? I'm always really impressed whenever I go through the absolutely huge Fanuc product range. Yeah, of course. So Fanuc is a global producer of automation products that includes CNC control systems, lasers, a very broad range of industrial robots for different applications, also a range of what we call robo-machines that include uh, small high-speed machining centres, injection moulding machines and EDM wire cut machines. Also a range of 21st century manufacturing software for digital connected manufacturing. Fanuc have been around for over 60 years uh, and are based in Japan at the foot of Mount Fuji. The monthly manufacturing capacity sits at around 35,000 CNC controls over 250,000 servo motors and drives, 7,000 robots and over 3,500 rubber machines and that's monthly. That is very, very impressive. <laughs> so so if, if Fanuc's been around for 60 years, this means that the company has inevitably gathered a whole wealth of experience. I mean, the market is ever-evolving, am I right? Absolutely, you're absolutely correct, yeah. So... Oliver, if we, if we just think about the last 10 years, can you explain the process of how Fanuc have evolved to meet this market need? Yeah, sure. Uh, the rise of Fanuc really uh, as one of the largest automation suppliers globally probably goes back a little bit further than that. Fanuc have increased the number of robots within the, the robot range, currently more than 100 models, over 15 families, and increased production capacities up to over 7,000 per month. This requirement really is predominantly driven by manufacturing in China, where nearly approximately a third of our market that fuelled the really meteoric rise of Fanuc was the electronic device market. 
mobile phones, tablets, etc. And this really continues to grow. A number of additional Fanuc products complement this uh, in the Robo Drill, the Robo Cut, Robo Shot, and Robot Nano. Hmm. That's, a, that's really interesting about the electronic device market. I, I mean, it makes sense. Everyone has a phone and a tablet. And so, of course, there would be huge demands in that sector. But what about in terms of manufacturing and industrial robots, though? I mean, what's, what's been the biggest industry there? So the robotics market, automotive, is still really the number one user of robots globally. Uh, but slowly, this balance is being changed through the adoption of robotic systems by other industries. So we're talking about the global robotics market, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm, but what about the UK? How do, how do we fit into robotics in comparison to the rest of the world? Unfortunately, UK automation adoption is still fairly slow compared to other nations. The International Federation of Robotics releases numbers annually that detail the robot usage versus 10,000 manufacturing workers. The UK currently sits at 91 This is actually below the global average of automation or robots being used within those other countries. Other countries such as Germany and Sweden, Italy are way above the average. For example, Germany has a number of 338 robots per 10,000 manufacturing workers. Globally, Singapore and South Korea lead the way, averaging at nearly 800 robots per 10,000 workers. Wow. I mean, th- this is something that has been brought up before. Um, so, so when BotHive interviewed Suzanne Beeler, who's, of course, the General Secretary of the um, International Federation of Robotics, to kind of paraphrase what she said, she said that one of the issues is that it's the public perception of robotics and also related to that, this certain scepticism about the deployment of robots There's a huge difference, I think, in the public opinion, which has an impact on how trade unions support the automation process, but also how the media influences the debate. So Suzanne said that it was interesting from her perspective to see that this debate basically is just unknown in countries like Japan or China or, or as you mentioned, Oliver, Singapore and South Korea, because that's where they see the basic need to automate in order to compensate for the lack of qualified labour. But... Having said all of that, why do you think that adoption in the UK is just generally slower than the rest of Europe and also globally? Um, From experience, I think a number of issues, really. Firstly, I think payback periods being used for calculating return on investment in Europe and the rest of the world are probably longer than used in the UK. Uh, In my experience, two or three years uh, is not really enough for most automation projects. And when presented with the costs for automation, most potential first-time adopters find a way not to automate and revert back to using manpower. Typically, countries like Germany and Sweden, for example, are using five years as a payback period. Mm, So the difference of two years on paper might not seem like a huge difference, but actually it makes a massive difference in real business terms, right? Yes, absolutely. There are many things to take into consideration which aren't always really accounted for. The value that intangible benefits like improvements in quality or health and safety or overall efficiencies bring, are not always added into the ROI calculation. Admittedly, they are difficult to calculate up front, but probably should be allowed for. These are all values based around the workers and operators, which, as you said, are difficult to calculate in monetary terms. So are you finding that businesses are finding it almost difficult to justify spending money in these areas? I think the UK has a nervousness to investment in automation. 
there seems to be a willingness to maintain a level of low skilled or low cost operators and not really any desire to upskill and retrain. I think with Brexit we probably need to change our thinking as some of that low cost labour force is no longer available with the European migration the way it is. Not only Brexit but also this pandemic too. Businesses need to think about future proofing by not only investing in automation but I think also investing in the time to upskill their staff in actually using the automation. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the, the most cost-effective way to really secure the future of UK businesses is to provide a stream of enthusiastic and automation literate employees capable of engaging with the latest technology. From experience, this is done extremely well in countries with high automation adoption figures. There has to be a really concerted effort to engage young people and I think the best way to do that is to continue to provide strong apprenticeship and university programmes. Okay, so it essentially stems down to education then, and I don't mean only in apprenticeship and an academic sense, but also in the workplace, in a workplace training sense. Yeah, that's absolutely it. I think the the way we are as an industry, uh, we need to educate the end user on the benefits and the paybacks uh, of automation, as well as those coming through who will be our future workforce. That absolutely is crucial. Mm. So we know that more businesses need to adopt automation, but we know that there are industries that are already utilising these technologies. Can you tell me, in the UK, where have you seen that industries use automation the most so far? As mentioned, automotive is really the principal user of automation in the UK. Uh, But in general, all industries have a level of automation. It's actually quite cyclical uh, from what I've seen. For example, 10 years ago, the brick and tile industry had a large adoption of automation. Now it seems that aerospace is coming on strong. Areas such as food and beverage and warehousing, for example, have had a steady increase over time, but nothing compared with other European or global adoption rates. Interesting that these industries are slowly rising, as you said, but I want to get specific about the adoption process now. Okay, um, say that I'm an SME working in one of these rising industries that you've mentioned, and I've listened to everything you said about the need to invest in automation, and I'm willing to buy into this process, but I'm completely new to the whole thing. Where do I start? What if I come to Fanuc and say, I've never even seen a robot in real life before? Okay, yeah, so at Fanuc UK, we always provide opportunities for live demonstrations. Uh, for example, last year, Fanuc hosted its first ever UK open house where we showcased really the potential of automation by providing manufacturers with hands-on experience with the latest robots. Uh, We also had a number of our partners there who also provide turnkey solutions to those SMEs. So these events are very important for industry, and those SMEs should endeavour to attend open days like ours uh, in 2020 and beyond, obviously when it's safe to do so. Yeah, of course. Hopefully when when all of this uh, lockdown is over. Okay, so say that I'm me as the SME. I've come along to one of these demonstrations and I've seen firsthand how these solutions actually work. What what next? FANUC have a number of ways in which to help first-time adopters, ranging from initial project support through to specific process tools integrated into the product. But would this be the same process if I went to a different robot manufacturer? Uh, possibly. I, th- I think Fanuc UK are a little bit different to most other robot suppliers. For instance, Fanuc UK have their own systems integration capability, 
with pre-sale support and simulation, technical support and training. Typical support that Fanuc UK offer for free is basic concept development, studies, simulations, some R&D, uh, providing costings for initial capex requests. But what if I'm an SME with a very specific and niche task area? Well, Fanuc also offer a very large range of robots. Um, typically, we would have a robot that fits your application. Alongside this, Fanuc have a number of bolt-on tools that, that connect to the robot or the controller that add additional value uh, or potentially add the ability to make it easier to use. For example, uh, for a long time now we've had black and white or colour cameras. We've had force sensors that allow robots to feel and perform dexterous tasks that typically only humans can do. Okay, so I'm still the SME and I've been to the demonstration. I found out that there is a solution available to fit my specific need, but when it comes down to the crunch, I actually have no idea how to program a robot. I mean, I have a smartphone like everyone else in the world, but all of my legacy machinery in my workplace is very manual. Surely I need to be super incredibly techy to actually know how to work a robot. No, not at all. Um, the major advantage of working with us is the interface. Uh, there are already tens of thousands of people with experience in programming and setting up Fanuc globally. But to take it a step further, Fanuc have recently made the interface for first-time adopters even easier and actually made it tablet-based with a swipe to record function, which is a little bit like using your favourite app, for example. Okay, that, that, that sounds really really easy like like anyone could pick it up it sounds really straightforward okay um so i've taken all that into consideration but for you what would your initial advice be when i'm ready to actually contact a potential supplier for support well firstly i, I would say have an open mind to the sorts of automation that might be suggested uh, it's highly likely that suppliers have probably seen your application before in some sort of guise yeah, okay, that, that makes sense, given the wealth of experience that all the suppliers have. Is there anything that I, as the SME, could do to prep for these kind of conversations? Yeah, absolutely. Be ready to start answering questions. Uh, it's the supplier's job to find out what you want to automate and understand everything that you take for granted on a day-to-day -day basis. Any supplier will need to understand and, and determine which product, manufacturing and operating factors matter really most to you so then they can then provide the best solution in their resultant offer. Be ready to share any future growth plans and wish lists you may have for your company. Potentially they all factor into automation solutions. Ah, uh, but what if I don't want this to be public knowledge? That's absolutely fine. Everything we do can be covered under NDA or confidentiality agreements to be sure that any trade secrets or related intellectual property are absolutely secure. That's helpful to know that my information can be kept securely. So once that groundwork has been laid, what's the next step in the process? What would the, the supplier then initially be doing for me? Um, depending on the size, the business model and the product or service offering that the suppliers offer, the levels of response and engagement will probably be different. What's important is that independent of the size or nature of your business, you are treated equally and regardless of quantity of robots, for example, or the value of the system. You get honest, sound advice. And this is the same process directly with Fanuc too, right? Absolutely, yeah. So from Fanuc, 
you will follow a similar sales route regardless of what you're looking for. Uh, we operate with a number of different products or application specific sales guys who will most likely want to visit uh, and do some investigative background work face to face. Understanding your needs and taking responsibility for a two-way engagement is really their speciality. Once this information is captured, it's normally passed on to our technical sales team who will develop a solution based on your needs. And then when the team contacts me, uh, what do I expect? What would this initial solution then look like? Uh, typically the output from this work takes the form of an initial simulation, for example, description of the solution, um, and probably a region of magnitude or a ROM cost breakdown that will provide the customer with an initial feeling if the direction of conversation is going the right way. In some cases, our technical team will help then to develop specification documents, albeit that we sometimes do charge for that type of work. Okay, that's great. So I will have this this bespoke solution broken down and, and laid out and explained to me, but um, remember, I'm still new to this. What do I do with that information then? Well, firstly, you should keep it secure. Um, I mean, the IP generated is owned by the solution provider, uh, whoever's giving you that information. It shouldn't really be shared with other vendors. Ownership of that only really passes if you pay for it, for example, or pay for part of it, or if it's offered under free contract. The information can be used to feed then into your ROI calculator. This will then guide you on whether investment in automation is feasible. Many ROI calculators exist, but these all share a theme in providing the user a time frame for breaking even on the investment made. It's also important to additionally review the intangible benefits to automation. It's sometimes difficult to place a monetary value on these benefits uh, that could feed into the ROI calculator, but with all things, some degree of intelligence needs to be used with this. For example, uh, increased throughput or reduction in waste scrap are things that could certainly factor into an ROI calculation because they have a monetary value. However, minor improvements in health and safety that are financially difficult to evaluate also need to be incorporated into the final decision-making process somehow. Mm, makes sense. Okay, great. So say this solution fits and I was satisfied with all of the information that you've told me and, and presented to me so far um, and I want to progress. Yeah, so after that point there, Franek would normally suggest to start developing a user requirement specification or a URS, even at those early stages of the project. It's with a view that the URS becomes effectively a living document up until the point of order. Once the order is placed, you have to have documentation that details what the order is based upon. Ideally, the vendor's quote should reflect on your own customised URS, detailing your needs. That URS may or may not be exactly what vendors had previously presented, as everyone comes back with different solutions initially. As such, all vendors should really have the chance to re-quote against an exact specification that may be detailed in your URS. Right, so I just need to be aware that there might be a few tweaks here and there. Absolutely, yeah. So in some cases, it may be that a supplier has offered a solution that fits the requirement completely, or has shown themselves to be an advantage in other ways, they may be experts in the field or have done the application before. And in that case, they could be asked to help develop the specification alongside you as the customer. It should be noted that any URS document is normally a good way to start detailing the criteria for vendor selection. And possibly, sign-off criteria 
in activities like the factory acceptance test or site acceptance tests. So, okay, so given all of this, all the information that you've given me, all of the solutions and the proposals, at the end, how do I go about making the right decision? Well, that's up to you as the customer. <laughs> Hopefully any vendor puts enough on the table to make the decision with as little risk and as high degree of confidence as possible. Thank you so much, Oliver, for those great insights into the way that Fanuc works and all of the incredible range of products on offer. At BotHive, we love the work that Fanuc do and how they help their customers. So if you want to find out more about how their robots can help your business and how to start your journey with Fanuc, you can contact them at sales at Additionally, you can check out some of the work that Fanuc have already done with SMEs by having a look at the case study projects on our website, bot-hive.com. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to listen to more of the chats and catch-ups we have with industry experts, then you can subscribe to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to check us out on social media too, where all of our handles are at wearebothive. Thank you for listening. This has been Inside the Hive. Until next time.